I like that last song. I like both songs today. I thought they were really perfect. Um, you know, the Lord is everlasting, which means he'll last longer than, than we're going to last when we're waiting on him. And that's an interesting concept because uh, waiting is going to help us to depend on him. So that makes us stronger. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. You know, sometimes the Lord has us wait because we're not ready. And sometimes he has us wait because he has a different plan and we're not there yet in order to walk into what his will and his purposes are. And sometimes he has us wait because his answer is no. We just have to wait for whatever his answer is. Amen. So we're going to move into uh, and finish the last part of Hebrews 5 and look at a little bit of Hebrews 6 today. This letter written to the, the children of Israel who, um, if we remember correctly now when we started, the issue here is that they wanted to quit. They wanted to throw in the towel as far as their faith in Jesus Christ. And their conflict had to do with the fact that they came out from the Old Covenant. So they had a rich historical tradition of religion, but now things have changed because we're in a new covenant. And they had a hard time adjusting to the fact that Jesus, and this is the key to understanding this letter and where we're going to go today, and where we've been at this point, is that Jesus is superior to everything else that they may have experienced or known as Hebrews and as, as Jews. He's superior to the Old Testament prophets, and we saw that. He's superior to angels. Uh, I mean, angels are pretty impressive. We saw, and we know a little bit about angels in the Old Testament, don't we? And how they came to help Israel in battle and minister to them. And he's superior to Moses. Oh my goodness, not, not Moses. Yeah, he's superior to Moses, the lawgiver. He's superior to Joshua, the conqueror. Jesus is superior to Aaron, the, old, the high priest of the Old Testament. Because Jesus is now our great high priest. And that's what we looked at last week. Jesus as our representative. Doesn't it feel good to know that you have a lawyer on your side of the table in a courtroom? When you have to face legal matters with God? Because God has laws, doesn't he? Just like our country has laws, and just as when we break the law, we have to face the judge or the jury or the rules. Uh, it's, it's kind of a good thing to have someone standing there next to you to help represent you. Well, we have one who represents us in every way. We saw that last week in Jesus, who can be touched with the feelings of our weaknesses. In other words, he too experienced life as we as we experienced it but the member that the author wrote yet he was without sin he never failed he never faltered he never sinned but he's compassionate he's sympathetic to us jesus is the only one that could say to us i know i get it or as my students high school students say i feel you 
He's the only one that can say that. That really, truly, we do have friends that we can talk to and counselors we can go to, and, and they'll tell us things, and you know, some of them will have ideas that we're not aware of, but there's nothing like the one who created us and knows us like no one else that could tell us, I understand. So as the author of Hebrews getting into that, he stops. So let's look. And there's a reason why he had to kind of put a pause on what he was teaching. And he said, I want to deal with something right now, now that we're here. Now that we're at this point. I want to talk to you about something. And what he's going to do here is that he's going to correct them. He's going to, they were erring. They were, they were, they needed to be scolded. And that's not always easy to preach about, is it? You know, I don't know if this has anything to do with any of us. Maybe. Most likely. Because we like them. In spite of the fact that 2,000 two, two years have passed. We're, we're human just like they are. A different time and different place. But nonetheless, we still care, walk in these bodies, right? These weak and fallen bodies. We're not um, able sometimes to do the right thing. Anybody here agree with me? We're not able always to do the right thing. Sometimes we do the wrong thing. Would that, would that be, if I get like an amen on that one? Sometimes we do the wrong thing. It's okay, you can admit it. Confession is good for the soul. So let's stand and let's read this passage and then I'll have you sit and we'll see if we can explain this a little bit. If you can, stand. Hebrews um, 5 and verse 11, to, I'm going to read to verse 14. And then there's another section that I want to go into, but it's kind of the conclusion. I'll read it when I get to it. And this is what it says. Remember, he was just talking about the high priest, Melchizedek, this mysterious priest that met Abraham in the Old Testament after he had won this battle. And Abraham paid tithes to him. Abraham brought him an offering, and he accepted it. And now the Hebrew writer is making mention of him. There's very little known about him. He's a mysterious person in the Bible, but nonetheless, he existed. So he's saying, about this, we have much to say. And it is hard to explain. He's mentioning this, the priesthood and the benefits and the mysteries of the priesthood of Christ. And then he goes and tells him why uh, it's hard to explain. And uh, I like this part because as a pastor, uh, as one who has to teach, sometimes I can tell on your faces that I didn't explain it enough for some reason. It's hard to explain, but it's still true. And he told them the reason is since you have become dull of hearing. I'm going to get more into that in a minute. For though by this time... You ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God or the word of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So let me, that's where we're going to start. So let's pray for the sermon. Let's just bow our heads for a minute. I gotta thank you, Father, this morning again for your word. And we want to 
extract, we want to uh, expose, Lord, uh, what it means so that we might understand. And in understanding, Lord, we might be able to act in a way that's pleasing to you, Father, or be warned or uh, be uh, informed, but not just for the sake of being warned and informed, but to act again, to live, Lord, in a way that blesses our lives in our relationship with you. That, that's our only goal. That's why we're here. That's why we want to hear what you have to say to us. We ask your hand and your blessing and protection in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat then. So, as I was just mentioning briefly, that the Hebrew writer here, he interrupts his, his exposition of Jesus' role as a high priest. So he's, he's explaining to them and he's talking to them about the high priest as we saw last week. And he just kind of interrupts it and stops, and he, he's going to put that on the back burner. He's going to come back to it later, and he will in this chapter, in this book, uh, later in chapters uh, 7 and 8 and beyond. He's going to talk more about it. You know, timing is real important in teaching. Uh, as a teacher, and there are others here that are teachers, that you have to uh, set things up. You have to kind of design things to build or scaffold them, which means the like steps toward an ultimate objective of learning. And that's what this writer is doing. He, he noticed that they were not getting it. Okay? You ever see that? I see that face a lot in students. And I hate, I don't have to say it, but I see a lot face a lot here too. Like, huh? You know the emoji, like, you know, that, I love that emoji. I, I do it all the time. Like, what's going on? So the good teacher will stop whatever he was doing and whatever plans he had to step in and bring in, uh, if you would, uh, remediate, go back and kind of reinforce certain things or bring out, talk about what the problem is is a troubleshoot. Kind of one of the jobs of a good teacher is to reteach or to uh, re-engage the students when he sees that they've kind of gone off track. Has anyone here ever gone off track? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I'll just raise my hand. I have. So now what he wants to do, he wants to challenge his readers to mature further in their faith. He wants them to grow and progress and advance more in their faith, and what Christian would not honestly want to grow more in their faith and in their relationship with Jesus Christ? Of course. We don't want to be stagnant, right? We don't want to be stuck. We want to grow. So he's going to talk to them for a little bit about that. He's going to challenge them. So when you um, scold someone or rebuke them, to use a more proper word. It's always because you're striving for them to grow in their faith. That's the whole point of correction. Okay? So that's why he says in verse 11 about this, what he's just been talking about before, the high priest and Melchizedek, the role of Jesus as our high priest. So about this, we have much to say. So it, it, there, there's just so many things he's saying that I'd like to teach you. And he's lamenting the fact that he can't. And, and I want to drive into this mysterious and fantastic um, ministry of Melchizedek, the high priest, 
I want to I want to um, give you all of the implications of why it's important to know that Jesus is our mediator, that he stands between God and man and represents us. But I can't because you're not willing. That's what I'm going to say is the problem. They don't want to. Not that they can't. They're not willing. There's a difference. I cannot do it or I don't want to do it. Would everybody agree? God would never ask us to do something we can't do. The problem is whether or not we're willing to submit ourselves to his and be obedient and trust him. Because trust is always an issue. But also sometimes it's just not what we want to do. We may not think it's going to be uh, uh, either convenient for us or it's not convenient for us. <laughs> we're, we're usually going to rebel. We're going to object. We're going to reject. Right? I have much to say about this. Right? And it, it is hard to explain. I mentioned that a minute ago. Since you have become dull of hearing, so here's the problem. They were dull of hearing. They were sluggish. Let me just bring out another word. They were lethargic, spiritually speaking. It's, it's hard to explain things, difficult to explain things, especially if you, you, you're not really listening. It seemed, okay, so to, not to be judgmental, is what he's saying. It appears, it seems that you're not, not you're not really listening. You know, sometimes we come off really direct sometimes, and and then people totally cut us off. Sometimes it's better to use words like it seems, maybe, it appears, instead of just saying, "You look bored." Well, I don't know. Maybe she's got like something, you know, allergies or something, and her eyes are kind of shut today. Well, see, see how easy it is for us to judge, for us to say something that maybe that's not the truth. But the idea here is that he, he's noticing that they're, they're, they're not really understanding or capturing what he's trying to teach them. And so he stops and says, hey, let's talk about this for a minute, right? Is it your, is, is there, if your unwillingness to listen or understand, is it because you don't understand or you don't want to? Okay. The word translate uh, for dull of hearing from the Greek is the word ignorant in Greek. So dull of hearing is because they're ignorant. Now, people just use that word wrong. Well, you're ignorant. What ignorance means is that it's not, it's not due to the fact that you didn't hear it. It's due to the fact that you're ignoring what you heard. So listen to me carefully. Ignorance sounds like ignore. They come off the same root. You're ignorance by choice because you're ignoring what I'm saying, what I've written you, what I'm talking about. There's a big difference, isn't it? So just wanted to clarify that. It isn't that the message is complicated. It's complicated because the hearers were ignoring it. Does that make sense? Have you ever ignored someone? Okay, I'm gonna, I don't wanna say who, but there's sometimes, well, let's just say there's, have you ever been talking to someone 
for a while. You're sitting there talking with someone, and uh, you're, uh, I have to come over here and get it done for me. You're talking to someone, and they're, and you look at them, and they're doing this. What? I've just been talking to you like for five minutes. Now, now hold on. But what? Never mind. No one's ever had that experience or ever done it. That's what's going on here. And so the, the writer of Hebrews, which I believe is Paul, although his name's never mentioned, he's saying, hey, I'm, you're not listening. Why? Why are you not listening? Why are we not listening? Maybe it has more to do with our heart than it does with our ears. Yeah, that's the problem. It's not a problem with their hearing. Because then all we have to do is send you to the nurse and you get your hearing checked. You get a bill of, a, a, a bill that you're, you know, something that you're okay. So what's happening here, and this is the warning, okay? So I, I've basically been saying everything I've said up to this point, and I'm trying to do it gently. It may not apply to you, so if it doesn't, then, you know, you're good. Right? I see Alana's trying to talk, but I, can, I won't say it. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> there's a possibility that exists that you're not interested in what God has to say. Okay? You don't want to hear God's word. And not wanting to points to a spiritual problem. Does that come across clearly? See, in other words, when the truth is shared to you, your response is like, big deal. Uh, I really don't care what the Bible has to say or God has to say because I got my own perspective. Well, then that's a problem. Okay? And that's where this writer is right now with this group of people. You know, and then there are people then that sometimes you'll hear them say, you know what, I'm, I'm just not getting anything out of the Bible study. Uh, and I, I go to church and, and, and nothing seems to register with me. You know, I, I don't get it. I read the Bible, but it, it, it just, it's just ink on paper. It doesn't really land the right way. So, so then we would have to ask the question, why is he telling them this? And then what does it mean to us um, 2,000 years later? Why is it that they're not getting anything out of the Bible? Because they're dull of hearing. They're ignoring what they have heard. So let me put it to you this way. You know, if God spoke to you a week ago or a month ago or a year ago concerning something that you were supposed to do, but you ignored it, here's the question. Why then would God keep speaking to you if you refuse those things that he's told you about and already made it clear to you? Wouldn't you be playing a game? Wouldn't he be playing a game with us? If, if, if he's 
to, to this is where it is. If you haven't applied these things that you've heard to your life and ignored the implications of them, and I say this with all reverence, only to use it as a way to, to get the message out, God's no dummy. He knows you're not listening. So he stops talking to you. He's waiting for you to go back and fix what he told you already. See, we don't want to hear these kinds of things because we think we can play with him. And he is loving and he is patient with us. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying he isn't. I'm just saying that his word has been given to bless us. And if we reject it or ignore it, then he respects our free will. He literally gives us what we want. And if we take that too far out, what we want, especially if it's sinful, will destroy us. Sin will destroy us eventually. Some, for some people, it's faster than others because they, they go harder, right? So, the warning is, and the admonition here, the, the message is this. Can you hear me now? Is what the Lord is saying. Because God's word is a lamp to our feet. God's word is spiritual food. Right? God's word allows us to grow and gives us life. And guides us down the right path. So that we are safe. So that we are secure. Amen? <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> I woke up yesterday with a scratchy throat, so forgive me. So they were dull of hearing, or they were ignoring God's word because they didn't want to put into practice what God's word was telling them to do. And then that reveals the condition of their heart, not the condition of their ears. They heard it, they just ignored it. So I would say that it serves as a warning to us, and I think it's, you know, sometimes not a pleasant warning, and warnings never are, but they're for a reason, so that we could stop in our tracks and avoid the danger or the pitfalls of continuing down a path that ultimately will lead us away from Christ and not toward Him. If we go through difficulties, if we go through trials and tests, but they force us or they bring us closer to Christ, then that, that's actually a good thing. That's actually something we want to happen. Amen? But if a trial or a test and we're not warned, hey, pay attention now, this is important, then what happens is we become dull of hearing, we ignore what God has to say to us, and we're not growing, we're not maturing spiritually. So, uh, verse 12. Then he goes on to explain something that for through uh, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. So now what he's saying is, as long as you've been a Christian, by now you should be a teacher. But yet, what's happening, you still need someone 
to teach you again the very basic principles of, of God's word. You still need to, the ABCs of the Bible. And so, it's like, since they've been following Jesus, and since some, enough time has elapsed, he's saying you guys should be mature enough to be teaching others instead of continuing to, the need to be taught. So I asked the question, and uh, it's me, the one who prepared the sermon, have to look at this too. How many years has it been since I was born again? And then if I was once a babe in Christ, and let's say 40 years ago, wouldn't it be really kind of silly that I would still be a babe in Christ 40 years later? Nobody likes big babies. <laughs> I mean, if you saw a child, we just had one in here, not, not, not to reflect on that child, but if you saw a child still in a baby carriage and they're like four, I don't know, maybe my benchmarks are wrong, but they're still wearing a diaper, we probably would think that's not probably, they should be trained, potty trained by now. I, I think you get my point, right? If you saw Baby Huey, everybody know the cartoon? Everybody remember Baby Huey? I probably didn't say that. Baby Huey is this big, big character. And if you saw him in a diaper, you're like, whoa. I, I'm trying to get this to fit into your minds. So this isn't to their credit that he has to say this, that but yet you still need someone to go back over the, the basics of God's word, right? And this, basically they fail Christianity 101. Christianity 101 would be like the first course you would take as you come into the faith, right? Now, one of the things that, um, that I love about being a teacher is in, in my particular uh, work, I, I have caseloads. So I pick up students when they're freshmen, and I keep them till they're seniors and they graduate. So the whole time for four years, I'm telling them, hey, you need to do your work. You need to pass your classes. Because if you don't, then you need to re take credit recovery classes. You need to make up those classes. You're going to put a lot of pressure on yourself as you get closer to your senior year. In your senior year, if you need, like, I don't know, you only need 60 units a year, but let's just say there's some students that need 120. So technically they're seniors, but they're really just juniors. And you're like, oh man, that's going to be rough on you. Summer school, night school, online credit recovery classes. You're, you're going to put a whole lot of pressure on yourself. The problem is you're not going to graduate. You can't move on. You can't progress and advance. And uh, I tell them you're not going to be able to wear that robe, you know, and the tassel, and that funny looking square hat that you wear when you graduate, you're not going to be able to wear it because you failed. I mean, the whole point and objective of high school is to, is to pass, to graduate, right? You're not going to be able to walk, like on stage, and receive your diploma. And that's kind of what this writer is saying to this group of Christians, hey, it's important that you understand that we need to keep maturing and growing in our faith. Amen?
and that there comes a point in time where we need to be teaching others, discipling other people, right? And, you know, you really can't master a particular subject, even though you can learn about it, until you actually teach it. The best way to learn something is to do it. So that's what the author is doing here. And he goes on to say to them, and he, so that they're really clear, is that you, you still need milk. If you look at the last part of verse 12. You, you, uh, I don't think verse 12 is up there, but it is a down one. Let's see. So, oh, yeah, for you need someone to teach you again the basic oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Right? You need milk, not solid food. For anyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. So milk is, corresponds to the basic principles of our faith, whereas solid food is like the meatier stuff. So when we, <laughs> when we should be eating like prime rib, I don't know, anyone here like steak? I love steak. Ribeyes are good. New York steaks are good. You don't have to go to New York to get one. You can go to Stater Brothers and get a New York steak. Uh, Sam is interesting. My son, as you know, he likes his medium rare. I can't stand it. Just a little pink, not red. You know what I'm saying? But we can't even get into the meatier things because we still have a milk bottle. That's kind of a really hard way to bring it out by the writer here. You need milk, not solid food still. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a child. We need something more solid if we're mature. So he goes on to say in verse number uh, 14, but solid food or the steaks is for the mature. Well, at least you would have to have teeth. Well, if you use the analogy of a baby, a baby doesn't need steak or have that when they're babies because they, they don't even have teeth to chew on it, right? And um, we were just talking about your baby a little minute ago. Uh, was it Christina? We're just saying, wouldn't it be kind of weird that like four years from now, he was still the same size and everything? Nothing had changed. We'd all be going like, hey, I'm sorry, Christina, what's wrong with your baby? Right? And then that's what would be terrible that a Christian five, 10, 15 years down the road still, still acts like a baby. Or like I was said earlier, like a big baby. In every way, what a big, big baby, right? And the meat is what God wants us to enjoy as adults in, in the faith. So growth, progress, advancement is what the author here is, is trying to stress. Solid food are for, is for the one who is mature. And he goes on to talk about trained by constant practice to have what? Powers of discernment. Notice that in verse 14? Solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment. In other words, we can have the power to discern between right and wrong. That, it could save your life. 
you know, I don't care how old my kid is, and other moms and dads will say this, they're always going to be my baby. <laughs> I learned that from Adriana. <laughs> she told me that one time. Your child ain't no baby no more. Y'all will be my baby. Well, I feel the same way about my son. And you know what? My parting words when he leaves my presence, which he's now an adult and independent, be safe, be smart. trying to cover everything, right? Like telling them, use the powers of discernment to decide the decisions you're going to make to be right and wrong because it could impact your life negatively for years to come. The wrong decisions. What God's word gives us when we understand it and the reason we're here, and I'm almost ready to, to close this down, shut this sermon down. What God's word gives us is the ability to know what's right and wrong and to either bless our lives by following his righteousness or have a struggle all our lives by ignoring what he has told us in his word, his truth. It has implications for life. And at, uh, at my age, I, I could definitely, and, and most of us who have been around a little bit, we know this to be true. We, we can recognize the difference between right and wrong. And when there's something wrong, we know we're to we're literally to run from it. And when it's right, we're to stay there. Then the author moves into chapter 6 real quick, and he, and he closes this little section. And I wanted to just to wrap it up here. So therefore, because, of, because we know the maturity, and we know that growing and progressing and advancing in our faith gives us wisdom uh, to make decisions for our life and to follow God and be blessed. He says, therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrines of Christ and let us go on to maturity. In other words, let's get out of kindergarten. Let's move on. Not laying again the foundation of repentance. Not going back to the doctrine of, hey, you need to repent. Hey, you need to repent. I remember one time we were teaching on John 3.16, uh, the, 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 the chapter where Jesus meets Nicodemus and he tells him you must be born again. And I remember I played around with the idea that there are people who are born again again. They're born again, again and again and again. And, there are, and one of the things that it's sad to see is that there's a Christian who's been one for a long time and in a church where they might have altar calls more often than I do. They're, they're saying people coming forward all the time to repent. That, that's got to stop. We gotta grow. And we're coming, always coming to God about the same issues. We need to move on and grow. Because there's blessings there. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. Not uh, also going to verse two and in, of instruction about washings and of laying of hands and the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. So in other words, those are, these are doctrines like, for instance, repentance, and faith toward God, and washings, and laying on of hands, resurrection from the dead, the judgment, eternal judgment. These are all doctrines we should be well-versed in by now. We should understand them. We need to move on from them to go to deeper, more profound things in our walk and in our relationship with Christ. We don't want to be big babies the rest of our Christian walk, do we? 
said, I don't know why I was stressing on that, but it makes sense. Then he goes on to say, and I love this, and then after this, he's going to go back next week. He's going to go back to talking about the high priest. So he takes this detour, brings out this real quick message about, hey, let's grow up. And this we will do if God permits. So the point is, we, w- we need to want to do it. See, I think God respects if our heart has the intention of doing what's right. But do we always do what's right? No. Do we fail sometimes? I mean, do we mess up? Fall? Sin? Sometimes? Yeah, but if our intention of our heart is to please him, do you think he sees the fall or he sees the intention of our heart? Which means we would get right back up and keep moving forward. I always say, if we fall, fall forward, not backwards. If we fall, fall forward. But even in the fall, you're making progress. Because we fall into the hands of a God who is loving and merciful, full of grace. We're going to mess up. We're going to fail. We're going to have times where things don't seem to be working but he won't abandon us but let's not stay there that's kind of what he's saying let's not, let's not camp out there let's get back up and brush ourselves off and in his grace and mercy and love and strength let's just keep moving forward so I don't know who needed to hear this today But can we hear him now? And we need to grow up. Continue to grow might be better said. So let's bow our heads and let's thank the Lord for this message. Father, thank you again. Uh, that little section here where the writer of this, this book to that group of Hebrews Um, is very uh, direct and I think uh, gets right to the point. And sometimes that's what we need. Don't always like it. It doesn't always feel good. And at some level, it may apply to us. Each of us would have to make that determination where we're at in our relationship with you and whether or not we are sticking to our commitment to follow you that we're not going backwards that we're not thinking about quitting or throwing in the towel or walking away from you and there's only one way to do it and that's with a daily um, communion with you praying reading our Bibles, fellowshipping with one another, growing up together as a church, and being obedient and doing the things that you've called us to do as as believers. Uh, Thank you again. Um, As we go through these kinds of passages, sometimes they're not like the 
the message that would uh, probably um, have us go out of here today necessarily singing for joy, but maybe so because if it applies to us and, and we can apply it and practice uh, what you're asking us to do, then maybe it is a good thing that we hear sometimes, not always, sometimes, something that's so direct to straighten us out, to put us back on the path, to keep us moving forward. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>